want you to take out your message notes or your Bible uh, on a device, or if you brought your Bible this morning, turn to Romans chapter 8. C.S. Lewis said if you had one passage of Scripture, one chapter on a deserted island, the one chapter you would want is Romans chapter 8. In verse number 1, it says, Therefore there is... Uh, There is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Verse 5, For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Let's have a word of prayer. Lord, uh, I do pray that you would please use uh, these scriptures. I pray that you would help us uh, as we, uh, Lord, unpack our new identity in you. I pray that you would help something that's said from your word uh, to impact our identity. In Jesus' name, amen. So there are millions of dollars that are spent each year uh, trying to protect people's identity, uh, whether it be your financial identity or if someone has committed a crime or has being protected from someone who's committed a crime and they are uh, changing their identity, there's a lot to be said about identity. And in our world today, uh, we, are, we are kind of struggling with how we identify things. And some people are identifying differently and some people are creating new identities. And the reality is there's lots of people who have lots of motives for why they would want to identify a certain way. And we also know that world leaders are trying to change the way we identify ourselves or our identity as a culture. And there's something that I have been kind of poking fun at. Uh, If you've been here the last few weeks in our series, The Great Reset, reality is the gospel is the great reset. The resurrection is what changes everything. But in our culture and in our world today, not just our government or or big corporations, uh, but there's this group called the World Economic Forum, and they're trying to change everyone's identity. I want you to watch this right here. Here's the leader of it talking. The industrial revolution will impact our lives completely. It will not only change how we communicate, how we produce, how we consume. It will change actually us, our own identity. So it will change, it will reset our own identity. This is something that they're trying to do. They're trying to say, hey, let's, let's change identity. Can I tell you something? That no one can change your identity except the one who made you and who defines you. The reality of identity is it's something that belongs to the creator, the designer. If the designer has a design, then that thing, that person has to follow the design, the definition given by the creator. Now in Romans chapter 8, We are seeing a group of people that were defining themselves by their culture. The Roman church was about 50,000 people strong, and they were identifying themselves as Romans. They were Roman citizens. They dressed like Romans. Um, They ate like Romans. They looked like Romans. Uh, they They were Romans, and Paul was trying to get them to understand that now they were Christ followers. Now they were in Christ Christ was in them, and it was changing their identity. 
Truly, the gospel resets our identity, and it does this with three truths that we see in this passage today. And I want you to see these three truths that to reset our personal identity. Number one, I want you to see that our new identity produces security. Our new identity produces security. I want you to see in verse number eight, as we just continue the passage verse by verse, Romans chapter eight and verse number eight says, so then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. You might think to yourself, what does that mean? Because I thought I was in, I think, I thought I had flesh and bones and I thought I was in the flesh. The reality is you are. You have a body, you have flesh, but you are not identified as a Christian in the flesh. Meaning, as he continues, verse 9, but you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. Now that you have received Christ, he's saying in verse number nine, there's a spirit in you that defines you. If so be that the spirit of God dwell in you, uh, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. So if you have not received the spirit, if you have not received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, uh, then you are none of his. You do not belong to him. You do not have this new identity. But in verse number 10, it says, if Christ be in you, the body is dead, so the flesh is dead because of sin. And you say, well, how does it die? Well, it dies one bad decision at a time. The flesh has its desires, as we talked about last week, its impulses. It has its temptations. And the flesh is dying one bad decision at a time. But the Spirit brings life. The Spirit brings life because, in verse number 10, because of righteousness. If the spirit of him that raised Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken, that means make alive, your mortal bodies by the spirit that dwelleth in you. So what Paul is saying to the church at Rome is, you might feel these impulses, you might feel these feelings, as we said last week, you might have these desires. There might be things that you have in your body, but there's something in your body that defines you more than these impulses, more than these desires, more than what culture says, more than what you've always known. Uh, there's something that gives you a security and a satisfaction, and it is your new identity in Jesus Christ. So how does this new identity give you security? Well, the word here for please, when, you says it can't, when it says you cannot please God, it's oresco. It literally means to find approval, to, to find much delight, to fit together, something that just fits. It works. It satisfies you. Can I tell you that if you are looking for satisfaction, if you're looking for everything to fit, to fulfill you, uh, to, to, to make you feel whole and, and uh, to have meaning and purpose and significance, if you're looking for that outside of your relationship with Jesus Christ, you will always be searching. But when you come to your identity in Christ, you can find something that does please God, something that does go the way that he designed you to go. You see, uh, Galatians 4.3, Paul is writing to a similar group, but this time all the way across the continent uh, of modern-day Turkey. Uh, now in, in Galatia, he says, uh, we were children of bondage, under bondage in the elements of world. Of, of the world. We were bound by our desires in this world. 
We were bound by our, our feeling for approval, our search for significance, our longing for belonging. We were bound by that. But now as children of God, we are no longer bound by that. And so he constantly back and forth, back and forth, uses the word dead and uses the word alive or life. Dead, alive, dead, alive. And the word dead here is necros. It's where we get the word necromancy. Necros is lifeless, pointless, useless, beside the point. So he's saying there are some things that are beside, the, they're, they're useless to you. Your search for significance outside of Christ is useless. Your search for security outside of your identity in Christ is pointless. It's, it's not a help to you. It's dead. Necros. But then he talks about this life, this life in the spirit. And that's the theme of this whole uh, chapter is, is this new life in Jesus Christ. And, and this life is zoe. It means to be truly alive, to live life the way you were meant to live, the way you were designed to live. It's a reason for fulfillment, satisfaction, and joy. That is literally what this word zoe means. So I want to paint the picture here to say here is this new life in Jesus Christ, and it brings a new identity. It brings the new uh, set of ways and confines to define yourself. And so insecurities as a whole, they are just the indicator of our false belief. When we have insecurity, when we feel insecure, and we all have our insecurities, it just is re revealing the areas that we are not believing that Christ has made us new. Now, our church theme verse is this. And if you're brand new here, you'll learn our church theme verse right now. And it is 2 Corinthians 5, 17. And it is that, uh, that, that in Christ, we are new creatures or new creations. All things are, be are, are passed away behold, all things are become new. Now, the reason why I quoted it like that is because if you take any part of that out, it doesn't work. That in Christ, we are new creatures. That's great. If you are new creatures, then the old thing has to be passed away. And if the old thing has to be passed away, then, the old, then, then everything has to be made new. It's not, it's not that you are without insecurities. It's that something else, a greater belief, a greater truth, is informing your insecurities. And so here's, here's the reality about our false beliefs. Our false beliefs are constantly getting us to believe a lie about who we are that Satan from the beginning of time, from the beginning of the human race, Satan has tried to trick us and, and, and deceive us and, and try to uh, uh, con us into believing that we're something that we're not or that we're not something that we are. Let me illustrate it to you this way. When Adam and Eve were in the garden and, and, and Satan came to beguile them, to trick them, he said, yea, hath God said, so he gets them to, to, to doubt God's word. And then he says, you, if you take that, that tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you, you will be as gods. He, God knows that you will be like him knowing good and evil. And so, and so that's why he's trying to withhold from you because he knows that you will be like him. Do you know what the, Satan was doing? Satan was tempting them with something they already had. How many of you know you were made in the image of God? You are already made in God's image and God was already given Adam and Eve the ability to discern good and evil through him. But they took matters into their own hands. They wanted to discern good and evil on their own. And so daily that's the struggle. The struggle is, 
Do I trust my emotions? Do I trust my impulses? Do I trust what culture says about me? Or am I going to trust what God says about me? Now, can I tell you something? That what, world, what the world says will fill you up. I don't know if you found this yet, but it won't. Satan is, is selling you a bill of goods that will never come to pass. And so I would encourage you this week that as you're in this battle between believing maybe what you say about yourself, I'll never do them out. I, I'm not good enough. I can't do that. Uh, I, I'm a loser. I can't, you know, whatever you're speaking about yourself that's not true, I, I want you to start correcting that with the truth the truth of who you are in Christ, and you correct those emotions and temptations and, and, and culture, and then keep track. Keep track of those times that you're confronting how you're feeling or what culture's saying about you. Confront that with your true identity. I, I know that my potential in Christ is greater than what I am living up to, so therefore, I'm not going to live like I'm not. I'm gonna live who I am in Jesus Christ. Let me, let me illustrate it this way. All of us have felt the void of emptiness, either in a relationship, or maybe you got the job that you were longing for, and it didn't fill you up. All of us have been longing for a position or, 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 or a, an experience or maybe you were longing for a certain area of life. Like if I just get through high school, <laughs> or if I just graduate from college, or, or it's just the next thing, and it just leaves you feeling even a little bit more empty than you had before. The reality is we are all born with a void in the deepest part of our heart, and, and we long for fulfillment and significance, but the reality is that fulfillment and significance can only be filled the way God designed it to be filled. Let me illustrate the frustration of this. Uh, a few uh, weeks ago, actually about a week and a half ago, I was uh, waking up early. I like to wake up early and, and uh, put some toast in the toaster and, and grab some coffee and some water. And that's just kind of a, a morning routine that I have. And, and uh, I reached in the bag uh, of, of bread and I pulled out my favorite kind of bread. And, and I don't know if you're a bread person, but I'm, I'm, a, I'm a bread person. I, I, I have somewhere a, a bumper sticker that my wife won't let me put on my car, uh, but it's a bumper sticker and it says, instead of gluten-free, it says gluten-please, okay? So, so that's, that's, that's how I live my life. Um, and, and love love bread, love all kinds of bread, but there's no better bread um, than uh, the, the really, really good rye or sourdough. This is sourdough. I, I can't tell you, but I can't tell you for certain because I don't know this and it's not in the Bible, but I just believe that when we get to heaven, there's going to be a line of toasters and, and, and there's going to be sourdough bread with fresh butter. How many of you love some fresh buttered sourdough bread? All right, can I get a witness? All right, that, there's nothing greater on this side of heaven. So I reach in the bag and I go to grab the bread thinking it's going to look like this, feel like this. And this is what it looked like. Now, at first, I had a, a bunch of emotions like anger, disgust, well, looking at who baked this bread, you know, who would do that. And the whole middle part of the bread was just missing the middle. Obviously, when they were baking the bread, there was an air pocket in the dough and it baked with a, with a vacancy, with a void in the middle. This was not done on purpose. In fact, the ends looked like this. They tricked me. 
into buying half a loaf of bread. But can I tell you that you were born and, and you were born empty. You were born without the Holy Spirit on the inside. You say, no, I was born into a Christian family. Can I tell you, that's wonderful if you were born into a Christian family. But Jesus said to Nicodemus, the most religious person on the planet at that time. I mean, this guy uh, had memorized the entire Old Testament. This guy knew a lot in his head, but his heart was empty. And Nicodemus said, hey, what must I do to, 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 to be filled? That's really what he was searching for. He was searching for something on the inside that was missing. And Jesus said, you must be born again. There needs to be a moment where the Holy Spirit comes inside of you. And you are, as the Bible says, quickened. You are made alive. Now, listen, the reason why I get so excited about that stuff is because everything in our culture says this is the way to get filled. This is the way for fulfillment. Man, if you just have a little bit more money or if you just have a little blue check mark next to your name or if there's just a, a little bit more of this and a little bit more of that and Satan tries to tell you uh, that this is your path to fullness but he can never deliver and living an empty life as God's child is not normal, it is not noble, and it is not necessary. As God's child, he is offering you life and life more abundant. He is offering you the fullness of joy that is not just prosperity preaching. That is preaching based on the promises of God. And your purpose is fullness, not emptiness. And so the reality is we are made in God's image. We are his workmanship. We are created in Christ Jesus under good works. He hath ordained this before the world began. He wants us to not be insecure, which is filled with fear, filled with worry, he wants us to live a life filled with his spirit. And that is what identifies us. We are now children of God, filled with a new purpose, filled with his presence. So, so that's how we address how we feel, the insecurities, the, the, the emptiness, okay? But, but we can't start with how we feel. We said that last week. And we understand that's the context that we're working within. But I want you to see number two, because number two, our identity, it shifts every priority, what we do. So, so, so more importantly than how we feel, it shifts what we do. And what you do matters. But we cannot do things so that we feel a certain way. We cannot do things so that we shape our identity you are not who you are because of what you do. And, and listen, culture will tell you over and over again, you are what you do. But I'm here to say, you are who God says you are. And if you accept that and, and internalize it and live it out, then it will affect, it will shift what you do. So this is what it says in verse number 12. Brethren, okay, these are people who are God's children these are people who, who, are, who are in Christ. This, they have a new identity. Brethren, therefore brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. For if we live after the flesh, we shall die. But if through the Spirit we do mortify the deeds of the body, go back and listen to last week how to mortify the deeds of the body, we shall live. That's Zoe. Oh, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are sons of God. They are sons 
of God. For uh, ye have not received the spirit of bondage again. Listen, unto fear. You, 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 you're, you're not bound to fear. You're not bound to how you feel. But ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry. Can everyone say that together? Abba, Father. Now, when a child in Hebrew says their dad's name, and uh, both our boys said Dada first. I just want to go on record by saying that. And actually, I have to, I have to, I have to go back a little bit further. Uh, Camden, before he ever say dad or, or mom, he said ball. <laughs> ball. And I was like, oh, okay, not Jesus, not dad. Okay, I guess it's ball. Uh, and, and, and Chandler, you know, he... Half of what he was saying, we couldn't understand until he was a little older. Well, what, what are you saying? You know, what, what, are you, what are you pointing at? You, know, uh, you just kind of grunt and point. But, but can I tell you something? That the Hebrew language is, is what we know today. Uh, Ab is Hebrew for dad or father. And M is, is Hebrew for mother. But in Aramaic, which is this word, Abba, this is, this is the most natural way that that children, little babies, little, little two-month-old babies would learn how to say their father's name or their mother's name, Emma, Abba. It was something that just was, was easy for children to say. This is who our heavenly father is. He's our Abba. He is the one that nurtures and cares and, and really wants to free us from the debt of sin that we owe. See, that's the word debtor. The word debtor is a sinner, someone who has defaulted, someone who's a malefactor or someone who's stolen uh, more than he could or she could ever pay back. Uh, so it's too indebted to pay back under such a great obligation. That's the word, that's the name or the, or the term indebtor, that you're indebted, you're, you're a debtor. Now, I don't know about you, but there's nothing worse than owing some, someone some money. All right. And, uh, and, and, you know, no matter how many credit cards you, you cut up, they're still going to be calling. Okay. And, and, and the debt that we owe spiritually is freed at salvation because Jesus paid the debt that we owe. And now he has called us if we receive that payment, by the way, John was very clear how to receive this. It says, but as many as received him, John one to them gave you the power to become the son's and I always add daughters, the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. So here you have uh, a son or a daughter of God. The word son uh, is, is, is a child uh, by a descendant or adoption. The word adoption here, we are adopted in the family of God uh, where we cry, Abba, Father. The word adoption is the agreement for acceptance or the official court ruling for guardianship. Uh, recently, I, I attended online a, a, a court with the, um, uh, the L.A. County uh, Children's Court. And uh, I was sitting there in, in the Zoom room waiting for it. And we were, uh, we were attending for uh, a family in the church who was adopting. And we were so excited. <clears throat> we were sitting there waiting for the judge to say, this is your child. All of the rights of being in your family and all of the responsibility of being in your family is granted to you. And it was awesome to hear that and, and, and hear the judge rule. 
Can I tell you the judge has already ruled that when you are received into the family of God, you have all the rights and privileges and responsibility of being in his family. And that's why God uh, gave us these wonderful words in, in John chapter 8 and verse 31. Jesus says unto the Jews that w- which believed on him, if you continue in my word, you'll be my disciples. Like, oh, great, we're your followers. We're your learners. That's the word disciple. Okay, well, now that you're my learners and disciples, you need to know that the truth is the only thing that can set you free. You shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. And they said, hey, wait a second, we're already free. Look at verse 33 and 34. Hey, we're, we're the seed of Abraham. Jesus, we're already free. We're not locked in chains. We don't have anything to run from. We're not owing anyone anything. And Jesus said, are you? Are you free? You think you're free, but are you really free? And in verse number 34, he says, Verily I say unto you, whosoever committed sin is the servant of sin. Can I tell you that, that I've spoken to teens and young adults all across this nation, and can I tell you the number one thing that I have noticed is this, that there's a generation who says they're free. There's a generation who thinks that they're not in bondage, but the reality is they're in bondage to sin. They're in bondage to an addiction uh, to sometimes technology and sometimes uh, 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 an addiction to uh, anxiety and all of all sorts of things. But ultimately, there's an addiction to sin. Sin is always addicting and we serve sin. We, we sin more trying to cover up our other sins and, and, and we lie trying to cover up that other lie. And it's just a, a, a constant struggle. And Jesus says in verse 35, the servant abideth not in the house forever, but the son abideth forever. And if the Son therefore shall make you free, Jesus talking about the Son of God, then ye, the sons of God, the daughters of God, shall be free indeed. How many of you want freedom in Jesus Christ? I know I do. And can I tell you, you're not going to find it in your, when you find yourself. You're not going to find it in culture. No matter how catchy some self-help book gets, no matter how uh, impressive someone might talk, no matter how, uh, you, you might, how far you might go to find uh, financial freedom or, or relational freedom or whatever else, can I tell you, there is not freedom outside of the freedom that Jesus offers. Now, I tried to use another illustration and I couldn't get away from this one because this illustrates exactly what, what Jesus was talking about in, in this passage. But it is, it is a song that girls have been singing for the last several years, and it is one of the most annoying songs I've ever heard. So I apologize ahead of time, but I'm going somewhere with this, so hang with me. Uh, this is the song that Disney came out with a few years ago. It's time to see what I can do to test the limits and break through. No right, no wrong. We're going to have to turn it off right there. I, I, there's more on the video. I can't handle it. All right. I want to, I want to have my sanity this afternoon. Um, listen, I'm not preaching against Frozen. Don't come out here and say, man, that pastor is against Frozen. No, no, no. Let's just go with me. I'm just saying it's easy for culture to come up with these little taglines that sound awesome and actually sound really, really true on the front end. But when you start comparing them to your identity in Christ, you start realizing, wait a second, that's totally backwards. When, 
I'm, again, I'm looking at Elsa going, uh, or, or whoever that is. I think that's who it is. I, I'm, I'm looking at her going, this is, this, is, this is culture. This represents culture. No right, no wrong, no rules for me. You're like, what's wrong with that? Well, the next statement, I'm free. No right, no wrong, no rules for me. That's what makes me free. Can I tell you that I'm not saying that rules equals freedom, but can I tell you something? That the, the absence of rules does not guarantee the presence of freedom. And can I also tell you this, that in the search for being free, you can, come, you can come, uh, become bound to that pursuit. You can become so uh, obsessed with uh, freedom of time and freedom of any other kind that that's your new prison. And so Jesus said, hey, I can make you free, verse 36, and you will be free indeed. Now, true freedom, this is what we're saying, true freedom is found in living out our new identity in God's family. True freedom is living out our new identity in God's family. And I want to encourage you, the next time that you feel distant from God, remind yourself of this. If you're a child of God, now if you're not, we're going to give you an opportunity at the end of this to make that right. But let me tell you, if you have accepted the invitation that God's given to you into his family, you need to constantly remind yourself who you are. You are a child of the heavenly father and he can't and won't move. Remind yourself of that. God can't and he won't move. What do I mean by that? You know, I used to always think, well, you know, if I do something wrong or something happens and, and I feel a little distant from God, I, I, I need to come back to God and, and I, need to, I need to just be honest, you know, and, and it's good to be honest with God. But, but I often would say things like, it's me again. I did the same thing I did yesterday. Thought the same thing. I, I, I know I said yesterday I wasn't going to do it, wasn't going to say it. Ah, God, I, oh, my, my goodness, Lord, please help me. The reality is, if we think about God in the terms, in our own terms, we often miss what he's trying to say to us. He, you can't separate yourself from his love. You, you, when you come to God, he never moved. So when, when I'm coming back into the presence of God and I am repenting and I am trying to make something right and I'm trying to restore my relationship with him, he's not sitting there with a tally mark saying, well, looks like that was the fifth time this month. No, he never moved. And here's the other thing, and I want you to wrap your mind around this. He's actually already in your future. He's not bound by time. So he's actually already there when you say, God, I want to restore my relationship with you. He's like a heavenly father, like, hey, I never moved. Welcome back. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad that you've, that, that you've restored relationship. I'm glad that you've repented. I'm, I've been waiting for this moment. Uh, that's why Jesus said the kingdom of heaven's at hand. You're, it's close. You're, you're in his family, and this new family brings a new reality. And so our new identity, it brings security. By the way, once you are in the Father's hand and you are in Jesus' hand, can I tell you no man, no man can pluck you out of his hand. You have eternal security. But then also we have security in our lives as well because no one can rob you or redefine you. 
Can I tell you, your past does not define you. Your mistakes do not define you. You, you are not just a huge, um, you know, a monster, as, as people say, a hot mess. You're, you're not just this big ball of all the mistakes you've made. No, you are a child of God. On your heart and life is stamped uh, the righteousness of God, uh, the holiness of God as a child is being given to you, not as something you earn, but as something you receive by grace. And so our new identity, it gives us security. It shifts every priority. And then finally today, our new identity determines our destiny. It determines our destiny. So if there's ever a word that has been so captivating to me, it is the word destiny. The word destiny. Because it doesn't just speak of where we are. It speaks of where we're going. And there's one thing for me to plan and prepare and try to have a destiny and try to find my destiny and discover it. There's even books written on discovering your destiny. But reality is, destiny is something that God sets. It's something that God purposes and, and it's something we step into. It's something that we see that God is leading us in and, and, and we step into it. Here's what the Bible says about it. In verse 16, it says, The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ, if so that we suffer with him, that we may be glorified together. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creature with, waiteth, uh, with manifestation uh, of, this, of, of the sons of God, meaning at the end of time, we're going to know everything of why we suffered and why it was difficult and, 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 and what the destiny was. But in this moment, we know that our destiny is determined by our identity. How do we know this? Well, in verse number 16, it says that we bear witness with him. The word witness here is uh, martyr, mar martero. It, it's where we get the word martyr, meaning it costs you your life. Can I tell you that that's the best things in life cost you your life? You give your life to receive them. Um, you, 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 you're, it costs your time, your energy, your effort. We bear witness, though, and, and the word is, is uh, simartero, and it's, it's the words, the, the, the two letters at the very beginning, uh, and I'll go through these words quickly. Uh, to bear witness, it begins with S and, and, and Y. Uh, joint heirs, same thing, with, okay, co-inheritors, uh, co co-receivers, uh, co-sufferers with Christ, suffering with Christ, uh, glorified together, uh, uh, sin doxano. So, so here, here you have this, this idea that we're doing it with Christ, that our purpose is not a destiny that we own alone. It's a destiny we step into with Christ. So as joint heirs with Jesus and as co-laborers with Jesus and as co-sufferers with Jesus, we die to self. And one day we will be glorified with him. We will be honored alongside of him. This is our purpose. 
Revelation 4.11 says that we were and are created. This is why you were created. You were and are created for his good pleasure, for his glory. You say, no, I was created because I, I, I'm, I, you know, I, have, I have a talent in this area. Or I was created to be a mom. And I was created to be a businessman and entrepreneur. And I was created for that. And I was created for this. Listen, you may be good at those things, but you were created for one purpose. You were created to walk in the destiny God gives you at the moment you receive your new identity in Jesus Christ. And it's crazy to me, but no other creature on earth lives outside its purpose identity, and destiny like we do. Every animal, every plant, every living thing on this planet has a purpose, it knows its purpose, and it lives within its purpose, except for humans. We all were designed, and we all are defined by our creators, but now the world says, no, we can redefine what God says is true. So I would encourage you as a Christian, as a Christ follower, as a child of God, say this. Before doing or saying anything that you should do, think to yourself or even say out loud, I was made to do this and my destiny depends on it. This is what I was made to do. Do you know you're in church and you were made as a child of God to be in God's house? Do you know as a child of God, you were made to serve? You are wired, you are hardwired to serve. When you're not serving, you're, you're feeling like something's missing. You know you were made to be a giver. You know you were made uh, to be an encourager. Did you know you were made to praise God? That's why we spend the first part of every service praising and worshiping, because that's what you will be doing for all of eternity. If you're his child, you are wired for worship. You were made this way. This is who you are. And instead of saying, oh, here we go. I better go to church. I'm so tired, but I better go. Instead of just dragging ourselves out of duty, let's inspire ourselves out of identity. This is who I am, and this is what I was made to do. Now, last week, I talked to you about the difference between living in freedom in our new identity and living in bondage. And I, and I showed you the uh, if, if you were here last week, I, I showed you the prison clothes that we're supposed to lay off. And, uh, and I showed you the, um, the flight suit. And, and Joel, could you run those two flight suits up to me? And um, I had all the pilots in our church, uh, uh, Andy and, and, and Jim, I've had lots of conversations with both these men about uh, their, their, uh, the planes they fly and all of this. And, and they kept on telling me, uh, did you know your flight suit isn't real. Yes, I knew it wasn't real. They said, well, well, you need a real one. You, you need a real one. Don't, don't use the fake one next time. Use the real one. Well, I, I want to I lean into that a little. We're almost done. I want to lean into that. I want to tell you that this was not made for flying airplanes. In fact, if you try to get in an F-22 in one of these, if you're a pilot, they'll tell you, hey, I don't know what you're wearing, but you need to go change. Okay. It's not fire retardant. It does. This is the purpose of this was to look like Tom Cruise at a party. This is a costume. That's the purpose of this. Okay. So all you're going to do in this is look the part. This is not really what real pilots wear, right? But this, oh, 
this is the real deal. This is, this has been, this has been through it. This is what pilots actually wear. In fact, this is what the pilots in our church wear every single day. They, they wear this. this. This has the pockets. This has the fire retardant material. This is the real deal. When you are a pilot, this is what you put on. Can I tell you that Satan is constantly getting me to try to put on a false, fake facade identity. It's called outward conformity, not inward change. It's called living the part Looking like you're living as a child of God, but really in your heart, you know you don't desire any of it. The reality in our Christian life is being honest about what we're living, the identity that we're living in. Many people feel guilty because they feel like they're just wearing a costume. Reality is it's like, hey, listen, we all are tempted to step into that, that outward identity and not live in Christ. See, our new purpose, our new identity brings a new certainty and a new reality. And that new reality brings a new destiny. And the new destiny is found in our life, our new life, our true identity in Jesus Christ. It changes everything. Our, our insecurities, yep, they distract us. They distract us from our priorities. They derail us in our in our passions and in our motivations. Our insecurities reveal the, 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 the lies that we're believing about our identity. But our true identity, our true new nature in Jesus Christ, it is the key to stepping into our new destiny. It is the key to stepping into the life that God has called you to live. It is the key to stepping into a full and surrendered and secure life. If you're sitting here and you're like, man, that's the life I wanna live. Can I tell you, I can't give it to you. You can't give it to you. But can I tell you that Jesus died on the cross and rose again to reset your identity. He wants you to feel secure. He wants you to feel full and belonging and have meaning and purpose. He wants you to feel that outside of what the world offers. He wants you to feel that in him. He wants you to experience your new identity in him. Let's pray. God, I pray for everyone sitting here that they would understand and accept and embrace their new identity in you. And Lord, I can't help but think that there are some that might be here, might be listening on 90.5 or, or might be online and who have never received you as their Lord and Savior. And I pray that today will be the day that they will be welcomed into the family. God, much of religion the last 2,000 years has been overcomplicating the entrance to your family. But I pray the day that there would be some, maybe even one, who would know how simple it is that even a child can enter the kingdom of, of heaven, can enter the family of God by just receiving the gift, by turning from sin, turning from your old, identity and, and receiving the new. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. And we end every service the same way with meditation and just a call to action, really. If you are sitting here and you're like, man, that new identity sounds amazing. It almost sounds too good to be true. Can I tell you it's not? 
It's not just doable, it's accessible. If you're sitting here in this room or you're watching or listening, let me tell you something, that Jesus is drawing you to him. He is drawing you to himself. He's calling you. He's calling you by name. Friend, if you would like to receive him as your Lord and Savior, and if you would like for today to be the beginning of your relationship with him and the entrance to the family of God, I want to give you an opportunity to do that. I want you to call out to him. Say, dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I turn from that sin. I turn to you and you alone. I trust that you can save me. Come into my life and be my savior. Friend, if you prayed that prayer and meant it, I'd like to pray for you. I believe that's the moment where you have come into the family of God. Once and for all, you have come into the family of God. If you prayed that prayer, you meant it. And today is the day where you have been born into the family of God. I would love to celebrate with you. I'm not going to point you out, but I'd love to celebrate you and pray for you. Would you just raise your hand? Put your hand up. Put it right back down. Thank you. Anyone else would join this one hand. You would say, I prayed that prayer just now, and I meant it. You put your hand up. Put it right back down. I prayed that prayer and I meant it. Thank you so much for this one who would say, I want, I want that. I want to enter the family of God. How many of you would say in your heart of hearts, you don't have to raise your hand, but in your heart, you know, God has reminded me of my true identity. I've been seeking for significance and my title, maybe my status as a mom or a friend. Those things aren't bad, but I've been seeking for fulfillment and I feel empty. And if that's you, I would encourage you right now, take a moment in prayer and ask God to place in your heart and in your life a newfound priority and a desire to live in your new nature in Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word, for this new identity we have in you. Now may we live it out in everything we do and say. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening. If you would like to learn more about our church or how to get connected, check us out online at findnewlife.church or find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook under the handle Find New Life. Have an amazing day.